Welcome to Tabardin, y'all, a weekly podcast about the stories we share while on pilgrimage as queer Catholics. I'm Jacob Flores, and I am, I think today marks my 300, no, not 300, sorry, 3,440th mile of driving back and forth to and from Dallas and Austin. We just got done uh, driving back home to Austin for what will be one of our very last times, but you have put in some serious miles. I didn't enjoy driving until I moved to Texas. Those Texas drives are pretty interesting. And 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 I think I think I'm starting to feel the spirit of David Koresh. Oh. Wow. <laughs> <In me. laughs> just just say the spirit of Joanna Gaines or something. You don't have okay. to go to, okay, to maybe David Koresh. David Koresh, Chip Gaines and Joanna Gaines. Because because I have to pat Waco's like the midpoint between Dallas and Austin. And today was the first day I actually stopped in Waco and it's really freaking cute it's a cute little town of course they're doing a good job they're still shut down so we couldn't go see any of um the the gains empire but we we yeah we drove by yeah let's start a little uh fine fig commune out there and i'm his husband patrick flores your home gym daddy <laughs> Doing, I've been working out more than doing, you. Doing squats, doing lunges, and my home push-ups. I have yet to do a single home workout, not even a single one. <laughs> the day the gym shut down was the last time I had a workout. Yeah, our building gym shut down. But people have uh, people stole the weights, the free weights from the gym. This is the type of place we live in, y'all. The second, we do have a gym, so that's kind of nice. A small gym. On like day two of quarantine, all the free weights were gone. People had taken them up to their rooms. Disgusting. Classy. Stay classy, Austin. So, Jacob, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Yes. What? Do you have somebody that you're able to completely bear your deepest, darkest secrets to that (laughs) is currently not wearing a ring that means you are bound to them for life? Oh, so someone other than you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, actually, yes. And as a matter of fact, it's his birthday today. Whose birthday? So shout out to uh, my, my bestie, Christian. Christian. I we love uh, you. Call him, yeah. I won't say my nickname for him. That's <laughs> not appropriate. But it's his birthday today. Um, he's currently screaming into the void back in Seattle right now because he's now... Uh, speaking of a gym daddy creeping out of his <laughs> head of his early 30s yeah christian is a is an what we call an absolute unit he's uh <laughs> he's he's huge he's just i yeah he's a little bulldog he has a little bulldog yep. not like a frenchie he's like a oh english mastiff or english yeah so christian um that's someone who i would say i i can be completely myself and how how far back do you and Christian go? You know, we actually... It wasn't until I actually left Seattle for Arizona for college. And I had... I guess I... I guess this is the story he says. I guess I texted him and I thanked him for being a friend and staying in touch because um, I was feeling a little lonely down there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, our friendship flourished since then. And then he admitted to me... So talk about secrets. He admitted to me that he did not like me when he first met me. Oh, shit. 
that's some Christian. Tea there. Um, Christian. He was judging me, and he just said that he thought that I was some prissy Asian gay, um, and he wrote me off. Nailed it. And look at us now. <laughs> look at us now. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Christian. <laughs> we love you. One more thing. The reason why we get along so well okay. is because we're both so weird in our own weird way that we just understand and get each other. Yeah. It's the type of weird that I can't, that I can be in front of you and you like chuckle, but not in a patronizing like, oh. I always like when you're weird. Yeah, you're not no, weird you in like front of it. me enough. But like Christian like understands it in a way where like he can think about it two days from now and he'll belly laugh about it and vice versa. Okay. So, Pat, who do we have on the podcast today? Well, today we have on the podcast Sam McKenzie Jr. Sam McKenzie Jr. is a black gay man who was a lay pastor at a church for two years. Today, he's a full-time writer and the co-host of the Sam and Me Show podcast. Sam writes opinion pieces about racism and politics. You can find his words on Medium and Substack. up in a very religious household and at one point I went to a Catholic school. Oh you did? Uh, during the week and I went to a Pentecostal church on Sundays. So I um, had this fascination and you know I was intrigued by the beads um, at the Catholic school but then I had questions about why some people were taking the wafer and why others weren't. And then on Sundays at my church, I was just as, I had the same sort of (laughs) intrigue, curiosity about like why people were running and crying and falling down and yelling at church. So so I had sort of an eclectic, but um, very spiritual kind of upbringing. And then my family moved to an, a new city about second grade, and I started going to an elementary school. And I met a friend there, and uh, he had a sleepover at his house. And a condition of staying over at his house was that we would have to go to church on Sunday. And so um, I stayed over, and we went to church. And it turns out that my whole family started going to that church. And that church was a Southern Baptist church. (laughs) And um, in that church, we had a few ministers who went to Baylor University. And when it was my turn to graduate, I decided I wanted to go to Baylor University. And so I had two friends from that church, and we all went to Baylor University. This was back in 1996. (laughs) So um, I started my freshman year there, and I knew at the time that I was gay, but I phrased it as something that I was struggling with. It was something that I was trying to suppress rather than live out. And so I told a few people that in that context, but I certainly wasn't coming out. So I ended up going to that church, and... um, I went on a mission trip, my first mission trip. Most of my childhood, I begged my parents to let me go on mission trips, and they always said no. So the first time I got an <laughs> opportunity to, I went to um, Juarez, Mexico in 1997, and I was randomly assigned a roommate 
we'll call him Chris. <laughs> and uh, Chris and I end up becoming friends. And we first met in Juarez, March 1997. And from there, we were roommates in Texas. And then we um, split up. I went to work at a church and he moved to Dallas. And then we kept in touch throughout that time. Um, Chris was also somebody like me who described himself as somebody who was struggling with or trying to change his or suppress his orientation, um, but was a believer. So y'all had talked about it together being, this is something that you both, I guess in your, you know, at that time you thought you struggled with. Yes. We both identified it as such. And the church that we went to was for some reason, it had a large population. (laughs) I don't have the the data exactly, but there were a, a large number of men in that church who identified in that way, where they were ex-gay or hmm. and had wives, or there was just sort of this whole group of people. Although it wasn't formal, it just was it sort of organically seemed to be the case there. And so there were a number of us, and Chris was, was one. When we were first assigned roommates, we didn't know that about each other. And then we sort of, as we became roommates on our own, talked about that. And then... um as I said, we went our separate directions. He went to Dallas. I went to work at a church in Waco. And then we came together again in Dallas. This would have been about August 2001 or 2002 um, for a friend's birthday party. And it was at that birthday party that we both came out to each other. And it was like, hey, hmm. I'm, I'm gay. I'm living as a gay man. At this party... I had told Chris that I was just going to do this for a year. So when I first came out, I I was working at a church. I left the church and I said, I'm just going to be gay for a year. And then I'm going to go back to the church. I'm just going to take some time off and just do this for a year. And then I'll go back to God. (laughs) That was, that was my thinking at the time. And I told that to Chris and uh, he was like, Oh, really? He's like, well, I'm, I'm just gay. I'm gay to stay. And so, so just like, but that was kind of like how our friendship, um, existed. Like, whereas I was sort of thinking like, okay, I'm just going to, do this for a while. And anyway, we, that was at a birthday party that we sort of reconnected years later after we had first met in 97. Um, we ended up being roommates again. I moved to Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. And Chris came over from Dallas and moved in and was my roommate. And at that time in Atlanta, that was my first time living in a city as an openly gay Man, and I truly did struggle. My coming out process, I lost friends when I told them I came out. People who said they didn't want to talk to me again. Um, I had relatives who um, were harsh, stopped talking to me, were clear in their non-acceptance. And so it was a very difficult time for me. And so Mm -hmm. in Atlanta, you know, being... My first big city out as a gay man, um, I <laughs> definitely uh, went a little wild. Um, but what stands <laughs> out is that I would I would drink, I would get so drunk, 
and um, I would just cry and I would I would become very spiritual. It was almost like I was in the closet um, spiritually. I was living as a gay man, but then like mm. when I would get drunk, I would just, you know, start praying and crying. And, you know, and so Matt was his presence. He was there through through that whole experience. And it was just kind of me working out and struggling with my sexuality and my faith, you know, inside of myself. Um, while we were in Atlanta, yeah. there was a gay affirming church. Um, it's still there. Uh, they were advertising all over the city um, about their church. And so Chris and I went to a service there. I remember being in the service and just feeling what I understood to be like the presence of God. I think at that time, I had this idea in my head that churches that were affirming really didn't have the same sort of spiritual feeling as some of the other churches. And this was the first time I really yeah. went there and I could tell, I could sense like the sincerity. And I think I was crying and just God was really there. And it was kind of like one of those biblical moments. I think there's a New Testament um story where it's like well what's to stop these people from being baptized they're believers like us you know so it left an impression on me because i just had never seen gay christian fellowship quite like that from there in atlanta eventually i moved on to louisiana and chris um moved back to to Dallas and we're still friends to this day um we still keep in touch it's my longest friendship longest running friendship that I've had mm. about 23 years now and I think what's significant about it um Chris still keeps in touch with some people from the first church that we met at he regularly tells me now um about people who we went to church with who are affirming. So he relays back to me. He'll be like, okay. Oh, did you know so-and-so is they're affirming? Like they know I'm gay and they're totally great with it. And so it's almost like we became friends in a place that wasn't affirming that I didn't think would be possible to meet someone uh, on the same page and kind of in the same direction. And, and it's also a recognition that, not everyone in a church or a faith community necessarily has the same beliefs. So this particular yeah. church, the the leadership of the church was really clear about what they thought, but there are people there who who were different, you know. So I, I I tend to be, I believe, because of my the process of coming out, a little bit hesitant and um shy about going into non-affirming places because it's kind of triggering. Um, but the, the, the truth is, is that I met one of my lifelong friends in a place that's not affirming and discovered that there are other people who are like that, um, in that community. And Chris and I have talked about it over the years, like, you know, why this wasn't so much a struggle for him. And, he would say that he became a Christian 
at college. So he didn't have like this long history in the church. Right. You know, he became a Christian at 18 or 19. So he, he never, he struggled, I think, with people sort of accepting and, and being able to disclose to people. But in terms of his relationship with God and his faith um, and his sexuality, there was never a conflict there for him. And we would sort of chalk it up to the fact that maybe he it's because he didn't have that long history in the church, whereas I did. But, you know, he's just an example of somebody who, very different from me, but is, is certainly an example of kind of what I feel like I needed on my journey to reconcile my faith and sexuality. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thanks so much for for sharing that that story with us, Sam. I I I know what you you mean of seeing in Chris uh, a a bit of a a different kind of uh, faith, not necessarily in quality, but at least in its its history. Chris being able to see. Uh, the church and his Christianity as being a piece of his, uh, maybe not a piece of his sexuality, but at least his sexuality fitting in there. And because mm-hmm. it's it's similar to the, uh, you know, Jacob also uh, has a, a bit of a similar uh, background. He grew up in a, a non-affirming church, but then in, in high school left and it left the church for a long time before he became Catholic um, about the time that he and I met. And so it's it's always interesting to me, like when we walk into a, a Catholic church that I can tell is going to have an issue with he and I, if we were to be a little more, you know, usually we're pretty discreet when we're inside a Catholic church, but um, if they were to know the full story, they'd probably have an issue with it. And, and like, I think Jacob, like for him, he's just like, you're telling me God's here? Like, and for me, I'm like, this is, I have a little bit of an instinct that says, this place is like, oh, this is like a real Catholic place. <laughs> um, and when I'm at a, a, a Catholic church that I know is affirming as as beautiful as that feels for me, um, just as like a person who's grown to accept myself, like there's also a part of me that also was like, wait, where'd the Catholic church go though? <laughs> Which also like, usually there's also a tinge of, of Jacob is like, this place feels really white supremacist. This feels really weird. Like there's also a lot of things going on. You know, it's never just mm-hmm. one thing. Um, but it's, I, I know a little bit, like I just, I, as you were describing that relationship of, of your friendship coming together, it being one of, um, uh, you know, a common bond of, of a gay friendship, but also like one that was formed in the church and it, but having different experiences of both. Yeah. Yeah. And Do I, you... I think I really needed that. I, you know, I didn't really know anyone else, um, who became a believer sort of later in life. And I know for him, it was a really genuine experience, you know? And so, the fact that he didn't struggle with it really made me think, okay, well, maybe there, maybe it's really is something that um, the baggage of just my background that's making this really difficult. And I feel like I knew other people who didn't have the same difficulty because they didn't have the same history in the church. And also his family was really supportive. His family, um, welcomed him and um, didn't have an issue at all you know with his sexuality so i think all of those things are factors for people it's it's kind of beautiful how somebody who when you see somebody who is just 
so comfortable with their their sexuality with their identity whatever whatever it is like i, I think you said something of that, that that chris told you like well you know like honey i know i'm gay and i'm staying that way like like having like being able to see that gives a small piece of you permission to be like oh maybe i am too like i i remember meeting those people in my life and just how even even though a piece of me was terrified of them even though a piece of me thought like they're leading me down a dark path. Like it, I also, there was a, like a, it was this breath of fresh air. Like, Oh, I didn't know I could feel that way about myself as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, <laughs> um, if I could be really transparent, when I look back on my story and my friendship and, um, I think that there was a lot of judgment on my side mm-hmm. as odd as it sounds. You know, I was a person who um, judged people who thought that they were saved and gay, you know. So, for instance, with Chris, (laughs) I would think, you know, with another friend, other friends, we would think, well, gosh, you know, he's just, he's in denial. He doesn't realize, like, we thought we were somehow more aware or, like, more connected to God because we, we we were doing what we thought was wrong but we knew that we were wrong whereas chris you know he just accepted this and and so therefore he wasn't as connected to god or somehow like his relationship was different and i I, to put it another way i remember being in dallas i was on cedar springs in the oklahoma gay neighborhood there and uh a pastor came in to a coffee shop and he was handing out flyers to his church and it was actually a pentecostal um church and he's like we're we're uh gay affirming and we believe in god and we celebrate god and i remember taking his flyer and thinking to myself gosh i mean at least i know that i'm wrong you know like <laughs> so i think in my story as sad as it is, as you know, I can laugh at it now, but there was a lot of judgment, like coming out of the church, uh, sort of standing over and kind of scoffing at people who had this sort of reconciliation and acceptance. And I think for a while, with my friendships and others, that's what I thought. Because for me, it was like, well, I'm just doing this temporarily, and I'm going to change and I'm going to go back, but I know that it's wrong. I'm not, I'm not that deceived. <laughs> so, but but um, now I have a better, um, better understanding. I understand that those people were there to, to help me. Sam, I know you're in a bit of a different place with uh, the church as far as just your, your, your involvement and everything now, but have you, have you had the opportunity to be kind of a Chris to somebody else? Like, have you, now being in a relationship and and uh coming to accept yourself a lot more have you been able to meet anybody along the way who is where you were when you first met chris and and be able to be the one that says like i i like i know who i am and i'm okay and i'm okay with that like i could be a christian and a a gay person who loves myself like have you had that uh that interaction at all i haven't met anyone directly in my one-on-one life who has had that similar experience as me um were they at least in real time you know my partner is similar to chris in the sense that he didn't grow up in the church he became a christian 
um, around 9-11 and never had an issue with it. Like, it was just like, I'm gay and I love God. Like, that. there's no issue here. Um, So so I have other people in my life who, who kind of mirror that. But I've I've not had a one on one where I've met anyone else who kind of um, struggled in that same way. I hope that through some of my writing that it connects with some people. Some of the work that I've put on Medium has talked about some of this um, this struggle, um, and I hope that there are people who read it and perhaps can identify with it and draw some sort of encouragement from it but you know for me i had help from my friends and i think that's the the part of this story but my full recon reconciliation was a lot of time and um slow you know i I would say my friendships really provided the presence and just that that steadiness and that sounding board you know that that hand but you know there was books and therapy and prayer and affirmations and like all kinds of things yeah um and certainly you know being in a committed relationship you know so a whole number of things that sort of brought it together for me but the friendships really started early in my life and i can look back and see how they connect and how they're sort of witnesses for me um, on my journey. Awesome. Well, Sam, we thank you so much for taking some time to to share your story with us. It's a it's a really beautiful one. I'm I don't know. I just find myself being really uplifted as I'm sitting here listening to it. Yeah, I just have to say that um, I really hearing your story about Chris makes me feel uh, really great. Uh, it makes my heart flutter in in some sorts because growing up. I didn't have that, that, I guess, that camaraderie or brotherhood that um, you and Chris had um, to share those intimate details and those, um, those, I guess, secrets of sorts. I always kind of grew up feeling like the other, um, and it wasn't until I was an adult uh, or I, I kind of forged and created and bonded with other, other um, I guess, gay males, um, brothers of sorts. So, uh, yeah, I really love that story. Yeah, there's a lot of value in uh, friendships, and you know, as a per, you know, as a person, I'm pretty low maintenance, low key on relationships, and um, an introvert certainly. But I I value those small um, groups and those really intimate ones, and I just I'm really thankful for this friendship, and I think that just <laughs> the wonder um, and the godness that was in putting us together as roommates, like randomly assigned on a mission trip in Mexico. And then that such a long-term friendship would develop that was, you know, so beneficial is, is amazing. It's just what I needed. Um, and Sam, we, you're, uh, we connected originally through your writing, which is, uh, as you said, it's, it's on medium and it is beautiful and prophetic and it is uh, strong and passionate often having to do with issues of racial justice and politics and identity. And uh, I was just wondering, could you share real quick with our our listeners a little bit of what you're most passionate writing about and then also where they can find that work? 
Yeah, so um, most of my writing is on Medium.com, and also it's on Substack. Um, when I first started writing on Medium a couple years ago, I, I wrote about just about anything. Um, but my main topics were around religion and race and politics. And so you can still find some pieces there about my faith and religion and sort of um, race and sexuality some things that I'm I'm proud of there that are just the product of my own struggle. Um, and then mostly what I write about today has to do with race and racism, anti-racism. So um, I think it's, it's, it challenges me. Um, and I don't know if it challenges others, but I prim- primarily write to think. And I think I, probably consider myself more of a full-time reader than writer, but um, pretty much read and write just to process what's in my head. And um, yeah, people can certainly go there and check it out and share thoughts. I know I, I, I mentioned to you some, maybe some months back, if not longer, that, that one day we'd be, I'll be reading you in, in the Atlantic, uh, your essays. And I, I have no doubt that that, uh, will, will come to pass because you're such an extraordinarily talented writer and, and a gift, uh, to all of us. So, Sam, again, thank you so much for taking time, uh, out of your evening to talk with us. Thank you guys very much. I really appreciate your show and, um, I'm glad to, to be able to share a story. You can find Sam's work on Medium under Sam McKenzie Jr. And he is on Twitter at Sam McKenzie Jr. Tabardin is a podcast by Vine and Fig, an affirming community and resource for queer Catholics. You could find us on social media at Vine and Fig Co. And our website at vineandfig.co. And you can support the podcast by purchasing one of our brand new Queer Marian prayer cards. And by donating to Vine and Fig on Patreon or by leaving a review for Tabard Inn on Apple Podcasts. That's it for us this week on Tabard Inn. Thanks for listening, y'all. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh.